listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show. On the podcast, we have Mike Farrell, at Rivals Mike on Twitter, and Adam Gorney, at Adam Gorney. Guys, let's get right into it, because I don't know, there wasn't wasn't much going on around college football this weekend, right? Not much to talk Nothing. about. <laughs> uh, so so we'll, we'll get right into it. We got we had a couple huge upsets uh, in the top 10 matchups. We got Butch Jones finally fired at Tennessee, so we'll start there. Mike, what we've talked about this all season long about when it was going to be that that he was going to get fired, and, and it just so happened that it was this weekend. Why was it this weekend after you know the season that they because they're stupid. Already? That's why they should have done it after South Carolina. You know, people would respect them more if they had an interim coach for the last few losses. They hung them out to dry, is what they did. You know, he had to march that horrible football team out there every weekend and lose. Um, you know, obviously, I think Southern Miss is the only game they won. And and just face the media and answer all those questions for, what, four or five weeks when he shouldn't have had to? Uh, not that I feel sorry for Butch Jones at all. I mean, he's got more money than I'll ever have. But I just think that this should have been done a while ago. It shows the indecisiveness. It shows the problem, I think, with Tennessee football is they just can't figure out who they want and who the right coach is. And they're dreaming of Gruden and I just don't know if they're going to get him. But, you know, Gorney said last week after the Missouri game, this could be it. And I said, well, if it is, it shows how stupid they are. Um, well, they're pretty stupid. They should have let him just go out in a blaze of glory losing to Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, it shaped up very badly for them going into that game. And you could see the writing on the wall pretty early. Missouri's offense was clicking. Tennessee's defense couldn't do anything. And Missouri just didn't stop pouring it on. And, Tennessee had no answers. They had a freshman quarterback out there. Their offense looked terrible. They're moving linemen from guard to left tackle, left tackle to right tackle, right guard all over the place. They don't know what they're doing. Butch is kind of just standing there. You know, midway through the third quarter, the announcers are talking about John Gruden being possibly the next coach there. I mean, it was just really pitifully bad for them. And they finally just, you know, showed him the door. You know, I obviously don't feel bad for the guy. He's a millionaire who can't win football games. Um, so, you know, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see if coaches see how they handled the Butch Jones situation and are a little worried about the administration there and what kind of treatment they would get. I'd probably highly doubt it. Uh, you know, everybody's going to jump at this job, but, you know, I would be hard pressed to believe John Gruden, who's, uh, you know, an, a former NFL coach making millions of dollars calling Monday night football is going to go to Tennessee and start recruiting, you know, and he's going to have to recruit nationally. I just don't see it. happening. Yeah. Not everybody's going to jump at this job. Obviously. Uh, I just read something Brett McMurphy put out there about a quote that uh, John Gruden had a while ago about if he would be a college coach, he said he'd get the program. He was running in trouble within four or five weeks because there's too many recruiting rules. <laughs> so if he, you know, if he doesn't want to follow recruiting rules or pay attention to recruiting rules, I mean, you know, what kind of hire is that anyways? Because, you know, I just don't think he's interested in the recruiting aspect. The recruiting aspect is the worst part of college football by far. Um, so if they get him, hey, great. It'll be really fun and interesting in Knoxville. Because uh, if he can't win, then who can? Uh, but I don't think they will get him. 
So that means who else is out there? I mean, Dan Mullen's out there. Um, you know, they could go Norvell. They could go Matt Campbell. What other names have you heard? I, I think Justin Fuente is a possibility from Virginia Tech. And the one that I read this morning on our Tennessee site is uh, Mike Leach. Don't forget him. He interviewed for that job in 2008. Does he really want to spend the rest of his career in, at Washington State? And so that would be an interesting Never one. Never happened. Uh, Never happened. Worst interview on the history of in the history of the world. Worst, worst. He'll go in there and interview, and he'll say something inappropriate, and he won't get hired. That's just that's oh, just. Yeah. My, my I thing. mean, I think I think their hopes. I think their hopes are that John Gruden has serious interest in the job. I think that's a a stretch beyond imagination. If that happens, I would be stunned. Uh, you know, I think that they could go to Matt Campbell. That'd be very interesting. I don't know if Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen, if he doesn't get the Florida job, would be a very serious contender for the Tennessee job. Um, and I think it would be a home run higher because we saw what he did against Alabama this week. Yeah, he's not getting the Florida job, I don't I, think. So I have a question. Is this really that desirable of a job? I mean, I know it's a big profile job, but you're in the SEC where you're facing Alabama and Georgia and Florida every year, you know, so the, where the expectations are so high. And p- Do you think coaches might see how the administration ran you know, this season where they kind of stretch Bush Jones out as long as they did and, and maybe turn away from a job like this. Job. No, because it's a good job. Yeah. It's a good job in this sense. It's better than Iowa state. It's better than Mississippi state. It's better than UCF. It's better than Washington state. It's better than all the jobs that people are going to go, you know, no one's going to make right. a, a lateral move here. And, and let's remember Tennessee has not been all that relevant recently. And I know people aren't going to want to hear that, but they haven't had a 10 win season in a decade, which is hard to believe. Um, but you know, uh, it's still in the sec East, which is winnable. Uh, it's still a, a huge high profile position. Uh, it, it basically runs the state of Tennessee. And so I think it's a very desirable job, but if you're shooting for the moon, if you're shooting for John Gruden, I think that's really, uh, really, you know, not going to happen. Yeah, And you have the facilities and, and the fan base to be successful there. You know, the recruiting base, uh, the state of Tennessee is improving when it comes to talent. You can't fill your home team uh, out of Tennessee, but you border on states that have a ton of talent. So recruiting territory is there as well. So it's an attractive job. I just don't know if it's a top tier, you know, I'm going to leave my million dollar broadcasting job or, you know, let's go out and steal Jimbo Fisher. You know, I don't think it's that type of job. But I do think it's a very attractive job for some very talented guys. I think Mullen would be the best hire. Fuente would be a home run, too. I just don't know if he'd leave Virginia Tech uh, because he's got a pretty good situation there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be fun to, to follow. Uh, but Butch is finally done, so we don't have to hear any more stupid quotes about leadership reps and five-star hearts and all that other garbage. Now, now does does Butch take next year off and then get a job the following year, or do you think he's he lands somewhere next year? I, it's, I think it's up to him. You know, he's not going to get a head coaching job. I think he's going to be a coordinator someplace. You know, and I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that people are knocking down his door to be a TV uh, broadcaster. Although, didn't didn't Chiswick do that? I mean, you know, he, he's not. Ex- yeah, he still does it. I think on the SEC. He's not Network exactly an amazing yeah. personality either. But so, I, I don't know. You know, I think he'll move to the coordinator role, and, and I don't know, you know, if he does get back as a head coach, it's obviously going to be in a smaller program. Um, but 
I don't think we have to worry too much about Butch right now. Um, they have a, a staff that's, you know, trying to keep this class together. Obviously, more decommitments have occurred, uh, Tennessee decommitments, but other decommitments, too. Uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be a weekly thing now because of this early signing period. I mean, we're starting to see a lot of guys high profile and a lot of them that aren't looking at schools that have coaching situations are starting to starting to decommit. Um, you know, R.J. Henderson, stuff like that. So what do you think, Gorney? I mean, last week you were like, nah, it's not the early signing period. Now it's been two weeks in a row. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it is interesting. And, and the timing on that one is is really interesting because he's a five-star 2019 kid from Texas who made an early commitment to Oregon uh, and, and really hadn't, you know, what were the signs that he would decommit no, now? I mean, there's, so there's, other than he just, yeah, there's no a, early signing period for him or anything like that. I, I just think once these kids start seeing other people decommit, you know, they're all, fo- they're followers. Right. So they start doing it. I think, I think it right. puts it into the mind of the 2019 kids as well. Um, and that's why I think you're going to see a rash of decommitments 2018, especially, but 2019 also over the next month or so, more so than we've ever seen before. That's just my gut because kids are followers. Yeah, I think that, and, and and yes, and the early signing period is absolutely a factor here. Um, I didn't I didn't think it was a factor with Buki and those guys, but as this continues, it, it's kind of steamrolling into that where kids are not entirely sold on wanting to sign early. These coaches are kind of pushing them or pressuring them to do it. And they're saying, all right, I'm done. I'm going to back out and then I'll take my time and a school will definitely take me later on. It's really going to be an interesting balance to see how these coaches handle this. Are, would they prefer top level kids or to sign their class early and lock, you know, third, second rate kids in into those positions? It's going to be a delicate balance of uh, who they go after and how they go after them in these coming weeks, because our coach is going to lean toward. I want to get my class settled and I might lose out on a kid or two or I'll keep positions open without any guarantees for later on. Yeah, I think you'll see most coaches, you know, they want to get it done, but I think they'll have to wait. You know, you can't really give up on a kid, um, you know, even if he's telling you I'm not signing, I'm going to take other visits. You can't really just throw in the towel uh, because other schools won't throw in the towel. If there were some sort of collusion going on where, Everybody said, okay, if this kid doesn't sign, then we none of us are taking him. Uh, then you send a message, a major message. Um, you know, Therese Parks last year waited too long, and he got stuck with a gray shirt. I think you'll see that occur more often this year uh, because of kids not signing early. And I think you'll also see a lot of guys that you normally wouldn't see get offers, maybe get those offers right before Christmas. Um you know, kid doesn't sign and yeah. you need a corner and you got this kid who's, you know, number six on your list and he's not really a, he doesn't have major offers, might get that Michigan offer or, or, you know, might get that Alabama offer that would never happen otherwise or might have happened that signing day, uh, that Wednesday in February. And we'll never know, but the negative recruiting that's going on has to be extraordinary of Co- Coach A wants you to sign early, but if you don't want to, you can come to come here kind of stuff, which is a new wave and, and why the early signing period is a horrible, terrible idea for everyone involved. Unless it was in August, but we won't get into that again. We bored people with that last week. So let's, <laughs> let's get to the turnover chain. I was thinking about buying myself a turnover chain, having it made it's five pounds apparently, and just wearing it around my house, but also, 
you know, when I'm out. But it could be like an apple turnover. Camps, <laughs> an apple turnover. <laughs> that would be actually pretty good because then I could like have a snack. But um, yeah, right. No, yeah, it wouldn't last. No, long. <laughs> well, I could replace it somehow. Just continue to. Like I could have a plate where I could just continue to put apple turnovers on it. I love the turnover chain. I loved what I saw from Miami. I mean, that defense is swarming. We finally got to see the defense play against somebody good. Um, you know, and yeah. again, a very one-dimensional football team. It's so funny now that I think about it. You know, before I was like, Notre Dame's going to win this football game. Now you think about it a couple days later, and there's like, there's no way on earth Notre Dame could win this football game going in. The, the way the matchup was is they're one-dimensional. They have to run the football. They don't have a pocket passer. And if they play against a speedy defense, uh, they can't do anything. And that's exactly what they ran into. So the U is back, although Jimmy Johnson said they're not back until they go undefeated and win a national championship, which is – I like that the bar is still that high. But they looked amazing. Yeah, they looked great. I, and I give them all the credit in the world because I thought Notre Dame was going to go down there and muscle them and out tough them inside and kind of pound them down the field and not be able to stop them. And what I was surprised with the defense played phenomenally well. I thought they dominated McGlinchey on the edge. They were better inside. I thought Notre Dame couldn't do anything and then they didn't try to switch anything up, but that offense can move the ball. I mean, Rogier can throw it around. They, they have speedy guys all over the field. They spread them out and, and it was Notre Dame. So Let's see them play another speedy team or even an even more physical team. You know, we're talking now into the playoff where they're going to be, or at least against Clemson, who's who has a pretty you know good defensive front too. But uh, I, I I give all the credit in the world to Miami. Uh, you saw their recruiting take an uptick after that win. I think it continues, and and Mark Richt is doing a, a phenomenal job down there. Uh, you know, both offensively and defensively, they just completely dominated Notre Dame. I saw Mark Rick said something like the on the headsets, they were almost predicting what Notre Dame was going to run, which isn't all that hard because it was student body right and student body left. But uh, it, that was an impressive, impressive performance, domination. All yeah, the way and the around. Clemson game will be interesting because Clemson's front is the best. It, 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 probably Clemson and Auburn have the best front in college football right now when you're talking about front four and. And they're a much faster, more athletic defense than Notre Dame. So the offense still worries me for Miami a little bit. They were very efficient. But, you know, you try those quarterback draws against Clemson uh, with those two defensive tackles, you're going to get you're going to get swallowed up pretty good. So but um, I don't trust Clemson's quarterback. Uh, I don't think their offense is that dynamic. I mean, they've got good skill players. They've got a you know solid, uh, you know, running back freshman running back who had two touchdowns on Saturday and uh, good receivers but I, I just don't trust Kelly Bryan in the in the quarterback situation there so it's going to be defense against defense in that game I think and I think it's going to be you know fairly low scoring and low scoring in college football is you know 31 21 like that range but right now I, I couldn't pick who would win. I don't know which team has the better defense. Uh, Clemson on paper, but that Miami secondary is young and they are very, very good. And I think they're better than the Clemson secondary. Yeah. And I think, you know, I have been wrong a few times on Miami, but I think Miami's offense can score quicker and more easily than Clemson's offense can. And I do not trust the quarterback. And, you know, obviously the Clemson coaches won't say this, but 
I don't think they're thrilled with how the offense looks out there either. Um, you know, for a long time, Florida State held them down, and Miami's defense is better than Florida State's, uh, and 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 so have other teams. You know, uh, so you know if if I had to pick that game right now, gun to my head, I think I'd take Miami in that game. Yeah, and we'll have time to figure that out. Obviously, there's still some football left to play, but right now, that's an elimination game, which puts. You know, uh, the the Wisconsin Badgers in very, very good shape after this weekend. I mean, they were not in great shape coming into the weekend. You even did one of your infamous take twos with tremendous quotes from me. Um, I thought it was yeah, great. Yeah. They were incisive. unbelievable quotes, honestly. And I think I said the Big Ten is done. And uh, that, that was pretty smart <laughs> to say because the Pac-12 is done now. But, uh, but if they run the table, they're in. I mean, they're fifth. And, you know, we got an elimination game ahead of them. So... If Wisconsin wins out, they're in. Now, you know, I know you wanted to ask a question, does a two-loss Big Ten champ get in if they beat Wisconsin? The answer to that question, Adam Gorning, has got to be no. It just it, You just wonder who would get in then. It would have to be, uh, you know, there's so much to play, and I hate doing this sometimes, but do you take uh, the one-loss uh, Big 12 team? Do you, I mean, who would you take if if Ohio State blows out Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten championship game, which I think is a is a very real possibility? Uh, do you say no to them? Well, here's the thing: you got Alabama and Auburn's an elimination game. Okay, so that's pretty much determined. Auburn wins. I think they're the two loss team that's in. If they go back and beat Georgia in a in a rematch, where it doesn't look like there's anything that Georgia could do that would allow them to beat Auburn after that beatdown. Um, you know, Miami and Clemson's an elimination game. Um, so let's say Alabama runs the table they're in. Let's say, let's just say Miami beats Clemson and, and they're in. Oklahoma's in if they run the table. Uh, that leaves that fourth spot, and it's very tricky at that point in time. Um, you know, what if Georgia... I don't know. I mean, we already said Alabama runs the table, so forget about Auburn and Georgia. Then Ohio State's the next in line. And if they do beat Wisconsin, which is number five, imagine if Ohio State got in the playoff again. I mean, they would have to win the conference this time, obviously, by, by winning the – At least they'd win right. their division. And, and, and the conference, because that's the only way they're going to get in is if they go to the, the game against an undefeated Wisconsin team and win. Um, but – after after getting destroyed by Oklahoma, after getting destroyed by Iowa, which doesn't look like a very good football team, but really looked good against Ohio State, backing into the playoff, then winning the national championship, as I predicted in the first place, that would be just unbelievable. Because then you know JT Barrett against Alabama would have the game of his life. I do have to credit a team like Ohio State, though, for even scheduling Oklahoma or because you could be like Wisconsin, and and I know yeah, in years past did. Wisconsin they has scheduled did. LSU they and did. Alabama, but but you know I'd rather take a two loss team that has some cojones and goes and plays games. You know Alabama doesn't need to schedule Florida State to start the season, uh, although that seemed like a, kind of a cupcake team <laughs> right now. Uh, but you know they didn't need to do those things. Wisconsin schedules BYU, FAU, and Utah State, so I give them no credit. No credit. Uh, so okay. I. Th- you're so mean to Wisconsin. I'm going to say how <laughs> I like Wisconsin. I was actually going to praise them on, on how they beat down Iowa this so, weekend. So, um, you know, obviously that's a letdown. So mean game, to though. them. I mean, honestly, that's a team that schedules out of conference. 
Um, you know, now in 2012, it was Oregon State. That's not really a big, not a conference. But back in 2012, Oregon State wasn't horrible and actually beat Wisconsin. Uh, in 2013, it was Arizona State. But then in 2014, it was LSU. Then 2015, LSU. Yeah. And then 2016, Alabama. Right. And it just so happens this year, BYU right. stinks. Uh, the magic underwear is not working. And that's not our fault. It's not our fault, says Wisconsin. So, so why? What <laughs> did you say? The magic underwear. Is I did. Not I said the magic underwear is not working. <laughs> I mean, they're three. No, I look at this Wisconsin team, and they're 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 impressive. Their defense is much better than I give them credit for, and they had some guys that were injured and stuff. But if you think Alex Hornibrook is going to go oh, in and beat Alabama in a college football horrible. playoff game, he's oh horrible God. to watch. He's, he's a he, well, yeah, he's, it's, it's he's just a lefty. Ugly. Don't get me started again. But yeah. He's ugly, lefty, throwing quarterback. I mean, his arm strength is awful. He floats the ball. Josh Jackson on the first pick was well underthrown because he can't make that throw. Second one was tipped, but he's he's not good. But they could still run the table because that offensive line and, and yeah. how physically dominant they are against everybody. I could see them beating Ohio State. I could see them beating everybody from here on out and getting in. And then, you know, then it would be probably Wisconsin against Alabama. Um, and we'd see and we'd see the same thing when Alabama played Michigan State a few years ago, complete and utter beatdown. Yeah, I, I mean, they're obviously a little one-dimensional. That Alabama team is not the same without those linebackers, man. I mean, they were really no. struggling defensively. Their linebackers they're playing now are just not ready for prime time at all. And yeah, Holcomb got blown up a few times. And then in he that had the stupid pass interference call in the end zone on the Hail Mary. It's like you need right. those guys. And I think four of them are out. They might get two back by the time the playoff starts. And they really need a couple of them back because they are the heart and soul. That front was getting pushed around. Uh, they were running the ball effectively. That's why if they don't have those linebackers back, Wisconsin could beat Alabama. Because that front is not as stout as you want it to be. I mean, DeAndre Payne's good. Bugs is okay. Hand gets pushed around. They are not as powerful against the run as you'd want them to be because Mississippi State was open in holes, especially on the left side. And you've seen those Wisconsin offensive linemen. I mean, they are just slobber knockers. Yeah. Slobber yeah, just knockers. Massive. Yeah, those are guys that are going to go into that game looking forward to to – beating people up not scared of alabama's front so it would be an interesting matchup to see if they could run if they don't get those linebackers back if they do i I just don't see it happening but you know i do give mississippi state a whole lot of credit even though they lost that game and they had a lead and things looked pretty good for a long time there uh you know they played them they played them tough and you know i think that that just even further and reinforces our point that dan mullen needs to get out of there and get to a high-profile job because he could do really special things. Yeah, and Wisconsin will probably lose to Michigan this week, and that'll you know, further throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing because Minnesota they're not going to lose to. But Michigan, you just don't know. I mean, Brandon Peters, 9 of 18, didn't throw the ball a lot, but at least he's not uh, – I mean, he's, he's a better quarterback than Hornibrook. And if Hornibrook throws like three picks or something in a game, which, again, I've been talking about it all year, they've overcome – I mean, two pick sixes, and they still overcame it at one. They've overcome his shortcomings, uh, but they can't continue to do that. If he turns the ball over 
and their their top two wide receivers are hurt. I mean, they're susceptible to an upset to Michigan, and and then we'll see what happens. So the interesting game I think now is Auburn and Alabama because that Auburn team, people may think I'm crazy, but from a balance perspective, offensive balance to defensive balance, even without Petway, that is arguably the best football team in the country when all things are clicking. When Stidham's got time and he's got a clock in his head, he's getting rid of the ball. When <clears throat> they got Slayton stretching the field, on Johnson doing his wildcat thing, which clearly can't be stopped, the offensive line blocking well. That defense is just absolutely nasty. Um, Auburn can beat anybody in the country at any time. Uh, they blew it against LSU, and Clemson dominated them with their defense. But they could beat Alabama. And if they do, then they're going to croak Georgia again, and, and they're in the playoff. Yeah, they, you know, they blew it against LSU. They had the big lead and then Gus packed it in and got a whole lot of criticism after that. And the same at Clemson. They just kind of, you know, didn't open up the offense at all. I thought they probably could have won that game. It seemed like for a long time they were the better team on the field that night. And I think you're right. I think they can definitely beat anybody in the country, including Alabama. Um, That game is at Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Not Jordan, Jordan. Uh, you know, Gary Danielson is comparing Carrion Johnson to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, there's a lot of hype around this Auburn team. I love the defense. I absolutely love how the front plays. Uh, you know, if you force Jalen Hurts to throw the ball all game, we'll we'll see how they do. The secondary is very good. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. If if Alabama had struggles at Mississippi State without those linebackers and, a, you know, to an, a large extent offensively, for long periods of that game, they're going to have real problems at Auburn. So I think it's going to be a very interesting game. But you, like you said, it's going to have to be Stidham having the right situations, and you know that he's not going to against Alabama. They're going to confuse the heck out of him like they do with quarterbacks all the time. Uh, I don't think Carrion Johnson's going to have running lanes like he did against Georgia. It, when he was patient and waiting in the backfield like that, he's going to get slapped. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But that defense is going to keep them in the game because – Alabama's offense for large periods of that game, and I think it was to keep the defense off the field, really wasn't all that explosive. No, but what we saw was, again, ice in the veins of Jalen Hurts. Nothing phases this kid, and he won it with his arm instead of his legs this time. But we saw in the championship game last year as a true freshman, he led essentially what should have been the game-winning touchdown drive. Um, He was just calm, cool, collected. Nothing phases that kid, and and when I saw Stidham against, you know, especially Clemson, once that pass rush started coming, he just froze. Uh, so I worry about that a little bit. Now he throws obviously a very pretty ball. He's a much more accurate downfield passer. They like to take their shots downfield. Hertz doesn't throw the ball more than 15, 16 times a game, and it's much more the threat with the with his feet. But when it comes down to crunch time, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I think you have to like what you see from Hertz uh, historically more so than what you see from Stidham. And I like the Le'Veon Bell comparison for Carrion Johnson. I was thinking Ladanian Tomlinson, um, you know, maybe not as thick and powerful, but that running style is very impressive. Um, you know, yeah. it's not hesitation, it's patience, and there's a big difference. So when you yeah. say he's going to get slapped in the backfield, I don't know. I mean, he knows when to go and he knows when not to go. Um, 
I don't think he's a guy who's just sort of, you know, doesn't know what to do back there. He just knows when to do it. Um, so I don't know if they'll shut him down, but I worry about the quarterback play. But, man, Georgia looked horrible. Um, you know, and, again, that's going to happen with a true freshman quarterback. I mean, he had he had Ridley wide open for a touchdown and just missed him entirely. And after the first drive, they looked good, but they kept losing confidence with each drive against that defense. And the next thing you know, it's an absolute blowout, and, and Georgia's – I mean, they're not done. Obviously, if Alabama beats Auburn and Georgia beats Alabama, they're in, right? Yeah, it does. I, I, you know, really, it doesn't matter what happens in Alabama Auburn if they win the SEC championship game, they're going to be in. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because if Auburn beats Alabama, it's less of an impressive win. Uh, I just unfortunately. It won't matter. They'll take the one loss SEC champion. No doubt. I guess. About it. I guess the thing that I'm looking at is that I just can't see a way Georgia wins against Auburn, and maybe, maybe some fluke of nature they could actually win against Alabama without those linebackers. But I don't know. That was just such an absolute drubbing and a rout. They were just never in the game. It was. It was kind of embarrassing. Georgia. Georgia is nine and one, and they're top seven team in the country. So they're not hard garbage, but. They were hot garbage on that day. Yeah, that day, very hot garbage. The only thing I can think is, uh, you know, it's tough to beat a team twice in the same year. Neutral field. We'll see how that plays. But on that day, you know, it was it was clear that Auburn was the better team. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith said uh, Georgia should be ashamed. Because well, okay. he knows. He knows a lot of stuff about college football. He said Notre Dame should be ashamed, too. So, yeah. Okay, well, good yeah. points. <laughs> hot take <laughs> and hot hot garbage. Let's hear hot garbage. Ooh, Nebraska's your hot first garbage. hot garbage team. You are ready to get on the scrolls. I, you know, I think I think you wrote that one I, down. I but, um... It must have been Dave Barry, then. Trying to set us up. <laughs> must have been David. Let's let's blame him. <laughs> it wasn't me. I swear to God. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, that is bad. That is hot garbage. Everyone knows it. I don't even know if we have to talk about that one. Minnesota, which is not exactly an explosive offense, no. fifty-four points, Thank- double digits in each quarter, completely blew them out. The over/under in the game was forty-seven and a half. And they had 54 points. It was a look like Terrell joke. Pryor. They, they made and the quarterback just, look like Terrell Pryor, like a six foot five, two hundred twenty-five, thirty-pound really Terrell Pryor. Yeah, it, it was it was terrible. Uh, I, I don't know what Nebraska was doing, uh, but it's the end of Mike Riley. That has to be it, and, and it will happen. There's no doubt. This is a prideful program, a lot of history and tradition. You don't go up to Minnesota and give up 54 points. With how the season is going, people Yeah, the are Iowa game is uh, November 24th. That's a Friday game. So he should be, he'll be fired by the 25th. Yeah, so Turkey on Thursday, uh, a, a, a drumstick uh, on Friday. Historic <laughs> loss on Friday to match a record from 1961 and then firing on Saturday and then Scott Frost hiring uh, probably a a couple weeks later because now 
talk is Chip Kelly is being vetted for the Florida job if they can get past the SEC bylaws with his show cause thing. Um, now that's the rumor. The rumor is Chip Kelly. It would be very interesting, and and like we've talked about today, and if anybody wants to read take, take two today, two. it's very interesting. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier is still very involved. Read last week. I'll credit ESPN for this story that he's handing play calls to the offensive so coordinator. Jer- that, uh, I mean, that for is God's so sakes, stupid. Jeremy Foley, the old, the former athletic director, seems to well, still be involved in some decision making, if not counseling. And Chip Kelly is a guy. Yeah, but but, but Steve Spurrier uh, coached you last know. coached Florida 150 years ago. Yeah, yeah. When no one ran spread offense and no and one he knew quit how to on stop his own it. football team at South Carolina. Don't let the guy call any plays. It's so stupid. It's it's like I don't know. It's like letting Lou Holtz call Notre Dame's plays. Just stop. I can just see you. And we've talked about this today. Chip Kelly is a guy who is a control freak. He he ran into problems in Philadelphia with this, where he wanted to be coach and GM, and he wanted all draft responsibilities, and it was a it was a mess. And um, that's not how it works at Florida. So either he needs to kind of have some comeuppance and and step back and just be the coach and let things be run the way it's run there, or those guys are going to have to change and let Chip Kelly they, run they everything, would. which I doubt. No, is I going think to happen. I think Foley would still be involved with the athletic department. I think they would end the Spurrier thing, honestly. I really do. If they want Chip Kelly, who's a hot commodity out there and, and a guy who's proven it at the college level, who runs that up-tempo, you know, uh, 50 plays a minute offense, they're not going to let Steve Spurrier. No way. Chip Kelly's got the biggest ego on earth. Um, the, so if they work things out, you can guarantee that Steve Spurrier will never be calling another play or sending in play suggestions. <laughs> To Florida, but Foley will still be involved with the athletic department. I don't think that'll change, but um, I don't think that affects Chip Kelly as much as, you know, an ex-legendary Heisman winner and coach, you know, trying to call your plays. But Florida's hot garbage. They look like crap against South Carolina as usual. Arkansas's hot garbage. Vanderbilt's hot garbage. I know you put those down or whoever put those down. Um I'm going to throw Michigan State in there as hot garbage. Seven and three, but you are hot garbage. You had a chance to play for the division title, essentially, and you lose, what, what was it, 48 to three? 48 three, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was shaping up, the line anyway was shaping up that it was going to be an Ohio State blowout, but it was also shaping up that way last week at Iowa. Uh, but, you know, they couldn't stop Ohio State from doing anything they wanted to do. Mike Weber had the longest run of his career. I mean, JT Barrett's back in the Heisman talk. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. He's not. But uh. <laughs> Forget about that. <laughs> yeah, hot garbage. Very hot garbage. Did not look like they even came to play. And that's weird because Michigan State does not get blown out by many teams ever. Uh, and Urban poured it on a little bit there. And, uh, yeah, I think Michigan State was definitely hot garbage. But – Real quick on Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a team. Okay, we're not expecting much from Vanderbilt. We don't think they're going to be contenders ever. But Derek Mason's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. They're supposed to stay in games with their defense. And Kentucky ran all over them and did whatever they wanted to. They are hot garbage. Oh, sorry. Oh, and six in conference. And the the funny thing is, Tennessee's oh and six in conference as well. So we are heading towards a showdown because uh, I don't know 
who either, either team has next. Oh, LSU, so Tennessee won't win that one. And then Vanderbilt, whoever they play, Missouri, they're going to lose that one. So it'll be a battle to see who can get one victory in the SEC between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt, Derek Mason, I mean, at the beginning of the season, people were, you know, praising him and all this other stuff. He's been over his head since day one. He's still over his head. He's not James Franklin. It's yeah. not going to work. Uh, but Vanderbilt has to have their own expectations. Uh, you know, if they lose to Missouri and beat Tennessee and go five and seven, that's not a bad year. It's not bad. Uh, no one walks into a Brady Hoke coached Tennessee football team and, and oh, wins an easy game. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. There's another guy who's trying to fight his way back to getting any job as a head football coach, but he could be in the Mac or something. I'm sure somebody would hire him there, but. I don't know. I, I just was very disappointed in, in Michigan State. I knew the line was so high that something was up. Vegas knew something because there's no way that the number 13 team or should be getting 17 points or whatever against an Ohio State team that just got croaked by Iowa. So there was something there. I don't know if somebody broke up with their girlfriend, or but Vegas knew something. And, uh, you know, that was – and this was a 48-3 game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, kind of Ohio State pulled off the reins there a little bit. Uh, it could have been much uglier. Yeah, it was criminal. And uh, Florida State's hot garbage, too, for rescheduling the Louisiana-Monroe game. And we've already talked about that. But, you know, now that they lost to Clemson, as we expected they would, uh, I don't know. You know, not that I'm rooting against Florida State, but just because they did that, it'd be funny to see them lose one of these next three games. But it looks like that's – almost impossible because Florida just doesn't care. And I don't even know these other two teams, the raging Cajuns. Is that you, Louisiana Monroe? No, that's, they're the Warhawks. Oh, no, that's uh, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, Warhawks, yeah, yeah right. Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. And then um, we've already talked about Delaware state, the, the, the pesky Hornets. So if they go to a bowl game and they claim that's 36 straight years, forget it. You're hot garbage. That's a joke. You shouldn't even accept it. He, Jimbo just wants the practice time. That's the only reason. But Florida State should be embarrassed. Like Stephen A. Smith says, Georgia and Notre Dame should be embarrassed. Florida State should be embarrassed to accept a bowl build at 6-6 six and six with the victories that they have this year. Horrible. We can get out of here. I didn't complain once about the weather. I didn't complain once about uh, the time change. I didn't complain once about my flat tire, which I got this morning. Um, I'm like, yeah, I am now. Except but you are now. Nobody listens to this thing till the end. Trust me, there's not one person still listening to this piece of this piece of garbage at this late juncture. So now I can <laughs> now hot. I can complain about all the things that happened to me. I'm like Scott Salen from the Howard Stern show. I woke up and my coffee machine exploded on me. Then I went out to my car and as I pulled out of the driveway, I caught a nail and my tire went flat. <laughs> That's me. That's my entire life. So this morning's been another great one. But I won't bore you with the details. We can get out of here. All right. I'll start the music then. We'll get out of here. Nice and short. All right. Well, check us out. Uh, make sure on Twitter you can check us all out. I'm at Real Dave Barry. Mike's handle is at Rivals Mike. And Adam Gorney is at Adam Gorney. We will see you all again later in the week. <laughs>